He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Welcome back, everyone, to season, if I'm doing this right, to episode 20 of the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your host, Jack Heald. And with us today is someone who, know, who, who says something about herself I've never heard said before, so I'm dying to hear about it, Rita Brewer. Rita, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Phil, why is she here? <laughs> well, Jack, like uh, much of our many of our recent guests here on the podcast, uh, Rita's got a great story. Um, she is a healthcare practitioner and has um, gone through a similar journey as many of us, and and started to ask some of those same questions that many of us are asking, and and find ways to. Uh, better interact within the healthcare system. And so we're going to uh, hear a little bit about her. Um, I think I came across Rita when we did a summit uh, or one of those online type events together uh, at some point in the past. And we've had a few conversations since then, and I'm really excited to bring her story to our audience. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Rita and say, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and tell us who is Rita Brewer? Awesome. Thank you guys again so much. Um, <clears throat> so, um, well, uh, I, I was born and raised in Port Chester, New York, and um, I knew from a very young age, elementary school, that I wanted a career in medicine. So I went straight from high school to college, got my bachelor's degree in biology, and then went straight to a surgical PA program from there um, at Cornell Medical School. And uh, when I graduated there, I went into a thoracic and vascular surgery private practice um, and for about five years. And then after that, I, which I absolutely loved, it was awesome, but I'm a lifelong learner. I always want to continue to learn every single day. But after five years in that specialty, I felt like I kind of capped out and there really wasn't anywhere else for me to go. And my program was so surgically focused that I said, okay, but this is awesome, but I do want to learn more about medicine and other areas and specialties as well. So I ended up doing five years of internal medicine after that. Um, and you as a surgeon doc could know that <laughs> a short time in internal medicine makes you want to jump back to surgery. <laughs> okay. For, for remember, I don't know diddly about medicine. So <laughs> what's in, what is in, I just assumed all medicine was internal. What does that mean? Internal medicine is, is like a family practice, but is more focused on adults without, it's without the pediatrics. So it's right. Like your regular primary care physician. So you're like, you have to know a little bit about everything and uh, take care of all, all kinds of problems. So um, for a surgical person, th that's a challenge. It's like every day in the clinic and uh, one patient after another, high volume. Um, but it was great because when in surgery, I, I felt like really comfortable taking care of a patient with a ruptured aneurysm, but I didn't know how to take care of a sinus infection. <laughs> so like the, I kind of had to backtrack a little bit. Um, but so, yeah, I was looking for... Um, other ways to continue to grow. And I, at that time, I wanted to go back to surgery, but I had just built a house and there were no surgery jobs around the area where I was living and I didn't want to relocate. Um, so I stayed there for quite some time. 
Um, but during that time, I was young, I was still in my 20s, and I started to have a lot of uh, chronic pain. And I didn't know why. So of course, as a clinician, I did everything that I was trained to do with conventional medicine. And um, I got no relief. And I was really suffering. I laid flat out on my back, like every single day, I would come home from work and did all the conventional things, which didn't work. And then I started to look outside the box of our conventional allopathic medicine. Hang on. Yeah. What were the things you tried that didn't work? Um, well, I did all, you know, I had the x-rays, I had the MRIs, I went to physical therapy, I had chiropractic care, um, I was working in surgery. So I grabbed one of my anesthesiology friends, I said, give me some trigger point injections to try to relieve these spasms that I was having in my in my back, my spine, be, you know, behind my shoulder blades. Um, and just nothing that I did would give me any relief. Um, so that's when I, and of course, medications I tried, but then, you know, things are too sedating and, you know, things you can't function on. So I would, I didn't want to continue with that. Um, so I started looking outside the box for uh, integrative therapies. Um, but this was the early 1990s. So, um, integrative practices were not popular the way they are now. And, um, so I was just looking for all these different modalities from Eastern medicine. And I found out about, um, energy medicine, um, or energy healing. Oh, you are so my person. (laughs) My wife is going to love this one. So I found out about it and, I, and there was there was a woman and her husband, they were going to be doing a demonstration in my town. So I said, I'm going to go and, and check this out. Um, so basically, she talked about working with the human energy field, you know, every living thing, pe- people, plants, um, we all have an energy field. Um, and they talked about how our energy field can hold um, emotions and memories and manifest themselves in physical ways and even lead to disease processes. Um, so she did a demonstration. She asked for a volunteer to come up and she, long story short, this woman, you know, came, came up and she did this demonstration and she basically talked about the emotional pain, um, that this person was harboring in her knee. And, and when that was addressed, when it came to, um, her level of consciousness, that she was able to release that pain from her body. So it was like, this is fabulous. I really want to learn more about this. They had a school as well, a three-year training program to ha- learn how to do these techniques. So I said, this is awesome. I said, but before I invest, because I wanted to help other people, you know, with these modalities. But I said, before I try this, um, you know, enter into a three-year program, I want to try it on myself first to see if it worked. Um, so I did, I had two energy healing sessions and my complaint, my pain that was bothering for me for months and months and months, probably close to a year was gone after two short, you know, one hour sessions. And it was, it was basically emotional pain that that I was harboring. (laughs) Yeah. So it was deep, like past betrayal issues from certain relationships that I was, had never completely healed. Um, so that kind of it sparked my interest in just holistic health and wellness, you know, because I realized through that journey and that's more, more than more than mere biology that you can measure under a microscope. 
Yeah, because we are, you know, mind, body, and spirit beings. We're spiritual beings. So our conventional medicine only focuses on our physical body, and it doesn't incorporate our emotions and, you know, these other factors that are really important for our total healing. So at that time, I would have loved to have, you know, an integrative practice. And I searched for that, but there were none at the time. And as a PA... I couldn't. What, is, what does that mean in integrative practice? I don't understand um, that. Well, practices that are open to incorporating not just conventional medical therapies, but oh, integrating all, different integrate, modalities. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which now there are so many of them, but this, like I said, was back in the early '90s, and I I couldn't find any practices like this at the time. Um, gotcha. So. Um, anyway, so I decided I stuck with pr- um, primary care for about five years just because I couldn't find another surgery job. And then I transitioned to um, a trauma position because um, I went, I said, you know, I've only, I've been a PA for only 10 years. I don't want to stop being a PA, but it's, I couldn't find a way to integrate the practices together. So I yeah. did have my own energy medicine practice for two years. Um, but then I ended up saying, you know what, I don't want to stop being a PA either. So I went sure. back to being a PA. I worked in hospital setting, trauma service. Um, so I had to give up the integrative part for a little while, but it was always in my heart. And I still always use it for myself and friends and family, just not a practice. Um, and then I became a mom and, you know, that kind of threw that off and everything. But um, after 20 years of practicing um, in many specialties, surgical and medical practices, um, I got really burnt out. And um, I started to see how our health care system was really changing and how the number of obese patients that were on our operating tables just kept getting more and more and more. Um, And that was the time where my family and I decided that it was time to transition from New York and make the move to North Carolina. So I had no idea what I was going to do when I got here. Um, but I said, you know what, God, I had my daughter was only five at the time. I said, I need, I love surgery, but it's not a good mommy job. You know, you never know what time you're getting out. Emergencies come up all the time. You stress because you don't know if you're going to be able to pick up your child. So I just prayed. I said, God, just I need something that's going to be fulfilling, but, um, you know, good lifestyle for my family as well. And I just stumbled upon a job that was at a weight loss clinic. And I was like, weight loss? I don't know. This is not me. I was like the robotic surgery PA, you know, training all these other PAs in robotic surgery. And Dr. Ovedia can attest to, he knows like the ego thing that goes along with the surgical realm. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go work in a weight loss clinic. I don't know. But hey, anyway. I'll try it out. I just need a job because I relocated. And worst comes to worst, I could try it out and see at least maybe I could learn how to get this last 10 pounds of baby weight off. And uh, that that might be a good place to go. So um, I started working at this weight loss clinic in Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, I ended up being there for six years because it just changed my life. So it was a medically supervised, very low calorie ketogenic diet program. And I not only lost the 10 pounds that I wanted to lose for myself following the program, but I kept going and I lost 25 pounds, which is brought me to the weight where I really felt comfortable and wanted to be at. And I'm blessed to have been able to maintain that for the last 11 years. 
and I will never go back. <laughs> could I, could I, I just want to correct something. Yes. It's, I know it's a blessing to be at the weight you want to be, but you're not there because you're blessed. You're there because you did the work. I did do the work. No doubt. Let's let's make that clear. This was not some kind of miracle. <laughs> not it feels a, like a miracle. Not a miracle. But but I am a I am a Christian woman, so I do believe all the blessings and paths that we go down or receive on relationships and opportunities all come from God. Um, so I always give God um, His due and His His honor and praise because I do believe all my blessings do come from Him. Um, but when I started working there, so people weren't just losing weight and getting their confidence back, but I started to see all the benefits of, you know, metabolic health, you know, improvements. So their diabetes was getting better. Their blood pressure got better. Their chronic pain got better. Their cholesterol got better and all, you know, just by losing weight. And I was like, oh my God, I was like so excited before to see the transformations but then I got angry. I was like, why are we yeah. not doing this in our healthcare system? You know, this should be, you know, standard. Maybe it doesn't have to be so strict with very low calorie and strict keto for everybody. But why are we not talking about nutrition more and healthy lifestyles as, you know, treatment for these, um, for these conditions? And um, so that's where my journey with metabolic health really started. So I know I've been rambling. So if you want, no, no, yeah, not at all. Great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Jack, I'm, I'm starting to worry that our audience is going to get a little bored because here we are again with a healthcare practitioner who, you know, wasn't getting good results for themselves and uh, started asking questions and started seeking out, you know, other thoughts, other ideas, and, uh, you know, has come to a point where their entire uh, career trajectory and their entire personal trajectory um, has been changed uh, by asking these questions. Um, so, you know, Rita, it's um, the audience may not fully appreciate, you know, what it really takes to go from, um, you know, being in a surgical field to, uh, you know, kind of crossing over to the medical field. And, um, you know, I certainly uh, didn't envision myself, um, you know, after 20 years as a cardiac surgeon of uh, starting to, you know, enter that realm as well. I, I mean, and I, I, I still function in both worlds, uh, but uh, it is an interesting parallel. And, you know, when we're in when we're going through the training and when we're, you know, kind of in our surgical careers, we always kind of think about, oh, you know. I could never do that medical stuff uh, and that medical stuff isn't really good for anything anyway. So, you know, what am I going to waste my time? And yet, you know, we find ourselves in this place now where we're saying um, we really shouldn't need either the medical or the surgical stuff if we just focus on the, you know, nutrition and lifestyle stuff. Uh, so talk a little bit about the sort of mindset change that you've undergone, you know, during this professional and personal journey. Mm -hmm. Well, lucky for me, um, I still get to function in both worlds. Um, because you, as you know, every surgeon and surgical PA, we love to operate. <laughs> we love surgery. <laughs> we love being in the operating room. And uh, it's, it's just fun for us. You know, we really, really enjoy it. So you people are so weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. I still Lord. work per diem as a surgical PA. So um, it's great. I don't have the stress and strain of a full-time surgical PA job where 
I have to take call anymore, nights, weekends, and holidays. Um, I also function strictly, I've been able to, again, find a surgical PA service where we only provide first assistant services. So all I have to do is operate. I don't have to do the clinic. I don't have to make rounds. I don't have to do all the stuff that we tend to not enjoy as much as actually operating. So I still do it on a per diem basis. Um, and I've been able to find a balance of quite a few things now. Um, so after six years of being in that practice, it, it was time for me to move on from changes that were going on in the clinic. But I also, I didn't know that there were people like you, Doc, and other people in this metabolic health field and lifestyle medicine field until, um, I was looking for a conference to go to, and I found one about the um, Lifestyle Medicine Conference. And I was like, and I looked on the website, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, there are other practitioners out here who, you know, who care about this and focus on this. And I realized that there was a whole world out there because when I was at that weight loss clinic, I felt like, I can't go. I can't. Where am I going to go? I can't go back to conventional medicine. I can't unsee what I've seen. And I don't want to practice that conventional model anymore. I don't want the stress of the surgery 24 seven. So I was like, I feel like I'm stuck here at this little place. Um, but when I found out about the Co American College of Lifestyle Medicine, I started going, I went to their conference. I got certified. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to use this certification right now, but someday it's going to come in handy. Um, so I'm just going to do it. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole long journey with that because you probably know they're a very plant-based focus with their nutrition. And uh, there's so many people there who've written books and talked about studies of, you know, the vegetarian lifestyle and it's the best thing and reversing, um, you know, cardiac disease like Dr. Esselstyn and stuff. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess to be healthy, I'm going to have to be a vegetarian then instead. So because there's so much research. So I went down that route because I was still struggling with my own health with autoimmune disease and trying to decrease my chronic pain. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll try this then if this is they say it's the healthiest way to go. So I tried the vegetarian vegan lifestyle for about six months. And I felt horrible. <laughs> I was weak. My was muscle mass was you know being lost. I was tired all the time. It's like I can't do this anymore. And then you know the journey just kept going on. And then I tried paleo and carnivore and like all these different things. And I do have rheumatoid arthritis, um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, leaky gut syndrome. I had all those things. And um, so I have tried you know lots of different nutritional programs uh, to help myself as well. Um, but at that time too, I, I was like, how am I going to spread this message? I can't go back to conventional medicine. What can I do? And, you know, I prayed about it and, and God said, you know, teach people, the people who want to hear you in the community. Um, so that's what I did. I, I started a healthy lifestyles ministry at my church it's completely voluntary. Um, but you know, I just started to teach people classes about healthy lifestyle, healthy nutrition and how it can benefit them. And, doing all these workshops and everything. And it's been wonderful. And I, I still do that. Um, <clears throat> so that's been really great. Um, but now I also work. So my transition kind of out of the conventional medicine was um, to start my own health coaching practice. It was like, I want to do things my way. As a PA, you do have to function under the license of a physician. 
And I didn't want to do that anymore uh, because I didn't want to go through the conventional system and malpractice and all that. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do health coaching where I'm not focused functioning as a PA, just as a coach. And I can do this all by myself on my own terms. So I started my my own virtual health coaching practice um, just uh, about two years, less than two years ago. Um, So I'm working on growing that. Um, in the meantime, I still, like I said, work per diem in surgery. And I also was able to find in my community, there actually is a lifestyle medicine clinic. So I work there two days a week. Um, so the blessing for that is I can help more people because they can go through their insurance. Um, and, um, so yeah, I'm I'm employed by that, that clinics. Um, so I can help more people that way through insurance and obviously more volume, but, uh, you know, it's still the stressor of the conventional, you know, medical system where it's fast paced and high volume and lots of charting and that can be very stressful. So I only do that two days a week and the rest of the time I work on my own coaching practice and doing things like this and, um, like I said, work helping my church ministry and all of that good stuff. So I get to work in a lot of areas. So can I, I want to follow up with your, with some of the, uh, on your website here, readabrewer.com folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading your about page. Um, I want you to talk about, Leaky gut, nutritional deficiencies, multiple food intolerances, and most importantly, Hashimoto's thyroiditis before we get to the really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you find out about those diagnoses and how your what was going on in your body that those things ended up being diagnosed and what what was the mechanism of repair? Mm-hmm. Is that a good question? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so and take them however, whatever order you want. But uh, when I read that, I was just fascinated. Okay. Um, well, yeah. I mean, lifestyle medicine really focuses on the you know six pillars: nutrition, physical activity, stress reduction, sleep, um, community, and reducing toxins. So I did all that. I trained in, in lifestyle medicine. I got board certified in lifestyle medicine. I did all those things for myself, but I still was suffering. I lost all the weight. I was metabolically healthy, but I was still having so much chronic pain. Um, and I started with an autoimmune, autoimmune symptoms in my 20s, um, which it was kind of a, like a it's something called palindromic rheumatism. So it's like a- That's the one I want to know about. Oh, okay. So it's not a full-blown rheumatoid arthritis. It's kind of more an intermittent. Like I would get these joint pains that would last for only a few days and they would go away. And that went on for many, many years until 2020 is when it really got full-blown rheumatoid arthritis. Um so because I was not getting better on my own after implementing all the lifestyle changes, I continued to dig deeper. So then that's when I found the field of functional medicine. So are you familiar with that? Or you I've to- heard the word a million times. I have mm-hmm. no idea what it yeah. means. Yeah. So functional medicine is what we call root cause medicine. So it's like getting to the root cause of the problems. 
This seems so obvious. It should be, right? Isn't isn't it amazing that that that's not all of medicine? Right. Yes. Right. And I mean, you guys have talked about like all the improvements that you get when you make lifestyle changes, like say migraine headaches, for example. If you go to a conventional doctor, they give you a medicine, a, a migraine medication. They never look any deeper to figure out what is the cause of these migraines in the first place and can we try to get rid of them. So like for it could be something really simple as like a gluten intolerance for somebody. Um, and that could markedly improve their symptoms and, and make their migraines go away. So that's what functional medicine is. It takes a deeper dive to find out what the root cause of these problems are. So that's where I was looking at where is this pain coming from? So how do you diagnose that? What, what, what was the process of diagnosis for you? So going to a functional medicine doctor is what I did. And I shared all my symptoms and all everything that I had done in the past and previous lab testing and everything. Um, and she did fur, they do deeper dive lab testing that we don't do in most conventional practices. So for example, she took a deeper look at my thyroid, where if you go to conventional doctor, they do a once a year TSH, which is a thyroid stimulating hormone, but that's not going to be abnormal until you're significantly under or overactive. It doesn't catch things in the early stages. So there's more detailed blood work that you can do, just like Doc has probably talked about with the cardiology and the deeper dive into the lipoproteins, not just your basic LDL, HDL kind of thing. Um, So I found out that I had autoimmune Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um, which is an autoimmune inflammatory condition of the thyroid. Um, And it was caused by a leaky gut syndrome. So it's another word for it is intestinal. It's all coming together. Yeah. Intestinal permeability. So it's basically like if you picture your intestinal tract, but break that, look at it under a microscope on, you know, really high resolution. And you can see where there's like spaces in between the cells and the tissues of the intestines that start to open up. And there's different things that can cause it. It can be different inflammatory foods. For me, it was probably, I think mine was mostly related to stress. Um, And so when those channels- Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just want to make sure what you're saying is that emotional stress was was indicated as at least a root cause in your leaky gut? Yes. Wow. Wow. So these little okay. channels, the in, yeah, so the intestines are supposed to be a closed system. Nothing is supposed to leak out of yeah. there. But these channels can start to open up. And then what happens is microscopic food particles, as they're passing through your intestines, start to leak out these little channels. And then they create a, a, an inflammatory response throughout your body and your bloodstream because the body, the body outside the intestine sees this as a foreign invader and does what the body is supposed to do with a foreign invader right. and marshals the forces. And that is reflected as inflammation in the body. Am I exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So these. See, I've learned a few yeah, things. Yeah, that was very good. And uh, so then these these um, inflammatory bacteria and chemicals particles they attack your thyroid gland. Um, so then you're, that's when I developed the Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. So the the leaky gut caused the, the thyroid. Caused the the Hashimoto's was was just a, one of the responses to the leaky gut. Right. 
And we don't talk about leaky gut syndrome. I don't know if they do in medical school now, but when Doc oh and I trained God. back in the day, leaky gut was never even a topic. I never even heard of it until, you know, quite a few years ago. Um, but back when we trained, you know, many years ago, it was not a topic. Do you ever remember hearing about that, Doc? No, and it really still isn't, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, obviously in our metabolic health world, um, you know, we hear about it and we talk about it a lot right. and, you know, right. it's now something I actively, you know, use in the management, you know, and discuss in the management of my uh, yeah. patients, uh, but it's still, you know, in the traditional allopathic medical world, it's really uh, still not recognized as a, as a real disease. Right. And, you know, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, how many times along the way of your journey, you know, especially going back to the, you know, early days when you had the palindromic, uh, you know, uh, rheumatoid, um, did you see allopathic physicians and they dismissed it or told you it was in your head or, you know, said, you know, basically, we don't know what it is, you know, and uh, just kind of tried to ignore it would be my guess, uh, and or blame you uh, for your problems? Well, luckily, nobody, for me, nobody blamed me, but I know lots of patients are labeled as crazy or that problem patient. Um, luckily for me, that was not the case. But yes, I have seen probably about six different rheumatologists over the past 30 years. And um, basically, uh only one person gave one of them gave me the diagnosis of palindromic rheumatism. And, but the only thing is, and everybody else couldn't give me a diagnosis. They was like, well, it's not this, it's not that, it's not that. And I was like, mm, well, what is it? Nobody knew. Um, so, um, but then they, oh, they wanted to put me on, on the hefty drugs too. And I was just like, well, this is only an intermittent thing. I don't want to take these, you know, methotrexate and all these other heavy duty drugs when it just comes and goes. I just want to figure out why it's here and what can I do to get rid of it. But yeah, so there was never any solutions. Um, but what they do in functional medicine is first, you know, after that basic diagnosis of the Hashimoto's and the leaky gut. Like, okay, let's look at some food sensitivities, see what foods are causing inflammation for you. Um, we did deep dive, like nutrient level testings to see what vitamins and minerals and deficiencies I had, looking at toxins that were in my system um, to see, you know, what else could be causing it. Um, and I found I was highly inflammatory to dairy products. And I was like, I'm Italian. No, <laughs> you cannot take away my cheese, please. I'm not taking my cheese. <laughs> yeah, it was showing I was inflamed from onions and garlic, and probably because I ate so much of it in my lifetime. But I was like, how do I even begin to live, you know, without these things? So it's been a long journey transitioning. And food sensitivities are constantly changing as well. It's not something that you know, you, you get diagnosis one time and you have to avoid it forever. Those are times where you can start to introduce things back in. Um, but yeah, so that's how it was all picked up through functional medicine. And that's, you know, that's another interesting thing that I see uh, a lot now is, you know, uh, when people have the leaky gut and they have all these food sensitivities and you finally heal the leaky gut, a lot of the time they can go back to, you know, eating those foods that they were labeled as, you know, sensitive to, because it's a situation where once that barrier is destroyed, 
then lots of things can get past it and start to cause problems. But when you reestablish that barrier, you know, it wasn't really the food per se in the first place. It was whatever was, you know, causing the damage to the gut. Mm -hmm. And you, you eliminate that stuff for a while, you get your gut healed up, and then you can go back to, you know, eating the dairy or, or, you know, whatever uh, many other trigger foods that people are labeled with. Mm -hmm. I, that's, that's really fascinating. Uh, Seven, 16, 17 years ago, I had my first encounter with functional medicine for, for the same general type of reason you had. Um, and I finally, I finally met a doctor who said, let's figure out what's actually the root cause and did this deep dive. And one of the things he did was he gave me a very strict diet, you know, get rid of all these things, eat only these things. And one of the things that was taken off my list was dairy. Mm -hmm. And I, I was very religious about following that because I hated how I felt. I yeah. felt terrible. Um, and, uh, over the years I've, I've realized that with the exception of, I think, uh, sour cream, I don't know why with the exception of sour cream, I don't react to, to dairy like I used to. And I've wondered about that. How come this used to cause me problems and doesn't cause me problems anymore? And I think we now have some insight into yeah. why. And the source we, of we your dairy, the under, underlying problem. The source of your dairy matters too, because you know, it, de it depends on where you're getting your food from. You know, the grocery store dairy is usually pretty toxic. <clears throat> do you shop at a grocery store, or do you go? To I I do, but I I don't drink milk. Mm -hmm. You know, that's nah. Just, yeah, it's one of the most I, inflammatory I foods. <laughs> really? Yes. So, Gluten and dairy. Yeah, it is. A pretty common um, thing. But like you said, it, it, it does vary a lot by the source and, you know, the context and, and uh, healing the gut uh, can get, I find most people to a point where they can tolerate dairy again, at least in some forms. So we, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, lifestyle medicine and functional medicine. Um, and of course, the allopathic medicine. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about energy medicine. Uh, <laughs> very interesting yeah. topic that you uh, cover a lot and I know use in your practice. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how you use it and, and what role that plays in all of this. Well, I'm not currently using it in this practice. Um, I mainly use it for friends and family who are in need. Um, but if people find out about it like now and they reach out to me, I'm happy to do it for them um, because it is something that that can be done remotely as well. You don't have to be with the person. Um, but basically, when I trained, um, <clears throat> it's like some of you may have heard of Reiki healing, where you sure. meet with a practitioner and they usually have a massage table. You lay on the table face up, fully clothed, and the Reiki practitioner will um, you know, connect with your energy field, you relax and you try to, you know, just lay there and be peaceful. They might put soft music on or maybe a candle. And, um, they basically allow your body to be a channel, um, to allow energy source. Well, some people call it the universe. I call it God or Jesus and whatever your spiritual source is, 
you basically act as a channel to allow that source to flow through you and to the person that you're working on. You don't have to touch them. You just, their energy, the energy fields expands well, you know, or what, you know, far out around our body. Um, so you can work on the energy field to create balance. So there are multiple energy centers of the body called chakras, which is a, a Sanskrit term for an wheel. Um, so it's like there are energy wheels that we have them in the front and the back of the body. There's seven major chakras of the body. Um, so it, my practice would, is similar to that. Um, but I did a three-year pr- training program. So it was very deep dive into not just allowing that source energy to flow through to help um, release blockages and relieve stress. Um, but also it's kind of like a, some people call it psychic surgery, um, where you're basically, um, evaluating that person's energy field and then looking to see where these blockages are. Sometimes people know where the blockage is and they may say, Hey, I've been having all this stomach pain. Can you help me? So you know that you want to work on their stomach, but some people don't, you know, just come for just to be open to receive whatever the healing reveals, um, and then I basically just, it's like scanning, scanning the, scanning the body, scanning their energy field. And then when I find an area where the energy is not flowing well, um, I stop and I stay there and I hold the space and I wait, um, to receive the information as if some people, this would definitely consider the woo woo area, not conventional medicine anywhere near that. But, um, I basically receive the information. So I receive, I, I look and I really have a deep heart connection with the person that I'm working with. So I see what emotions are there um, and they will come up and reveal it to me. Say, so, okay, this is sadness. And then I'll sit with it and I'll say, okay, why is there sadness? And I may see a vision of them as a child. You were seven years old. You were abandoned by your parent or you had this fear. Something happened. There was a trauma those pictures will reveal themselves to me. Um, and then I, at the end of the session, after I scan, I do this throughout the whole body from toe all the way up to the head and all the energy centers to see what I see and try to get everything balanced if it's ready to be balanced. Um, and if nothing can be forced, our body will heal when it's ready to be healed. Um, if there's deep emotion that's very traumatic that somebody is not ready to deal with, um, it, there, it's not going to come up. Um, and I'm not forcing anything to come up either. It's just a very respectful, um, sacred space. Um, so just allow that there has to be a trust um, to allow whatever that person needs to heal to be able to come up. So creating that safe, comfortable space for them is really important. Um, and then I just balance everything out. And then when the session is over, it's usually about 30 minutes of that part. Um, and then we talk about it afterwards. So by bringing the information to the person level of consciousness, it helps to start the healing process. So if I share something with them that I saw and immediately the tears start to flow, then I know we touched something that was hidden deep inside that needed to come out in order to be healed. So that's just so an example. I, yeah. I've, I've got a ton of questions. Um, and this does come from a place of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is a very powerful energy healer. Mm-hmm. 
And because she is, she's, she's got a whole circle of these people that she's introduced me to. And I've met an extraordinary, a number of extraordinary healers. Mm -hmm. So I'm familiar with what you're talking about, but I want to, I want to, I want to go into, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to real, real quickly, my understanding is that this type of healing, I should back up and contrast it. The type of healing we talk about on this, on this show normally from a, uh, from, from the standpoint of knowledge is left brained. It's logical, rational, sequential, serial explained through math and or language. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about something that is right brained. That is, uh, the right brain. And I realize this is not exactly anatomically perfect, but it's, it's a, it's close enough. The right brain is the pattern recognition part of our, of our, uh, uh, consciousness, awareness. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about operating in a healing modality from the right brain, mm -hmm. I think. Am I right mm -hmm. so far? Okay. So my question for you is, were you, are you, and, and were you aware in the past that you were particularly intuitive? Because I think what we're talking about is intuition as opposed to deduction. Do, do, do you have a history of being intuitive? Um, int yes, in the way of um, I'm a very heart centered person. So I love making a heart connection with people. As soon as I meet them, as soon as I speak to them, I open my heart so they can feel, um, safe. So they can feel that I'm somebody that they can trust. And I mean, as a PA for so many years, I mean, that just it is came, it just came naturally to me. Like I would, they always say, you know, you're easy to talk to and, um, they can confide in me that, and some people will say, I just met you. I can't believe I'm telling you all this, you know? So I would just have a very heart centered per, you know, energy about me that makes people feel safe and, and want to, and comfortable to open up. So I think I just got distracted from your question. So, um, well, have, you, have you, Oh, oh the yeah, I think so. Part. Have you been that way? Have you been that way most of your life? Yes. yes. That's just who I am. It's my personality. I think just like a natural, naturally a healer. <laughs> yeah. My experience with, with my wife and all her energy healing friends is that is the one thing they, they all have in common. They have this very empathetic, ineffable something. Yeah. yeah. Empathetic. But, um, you also have to really learn how to work on your boundaries because when you're an empath, that's, yeah, that's the thing I've wondered is how do you, uh, how do you, I asked my wife the other day, um, <laughs> you have to you know, learn what? how to block, uh, you know, block out other people's stuff. Like when you work on people, you can't take it on into your energy field. You have to have your energetic boundaries too, where you can still help people, but not take it on yourself. Or even like you, doc, as, as a surgeon, you know, I mean, how many times have you operated on people and you see the pain and suffering of the person and the, or the family, and you cannot take that on because you have to do it day after day after day. And it would destroy you if you would, if you allow it to. So you have to learn those boundaries. So how, how do you do that? Yeah. How well, do you do it, Bill? Well, I, I was going to ask Rita, you know, how do you bring this all together now? Because, you know, you have these different approaches um, that you 
you know, can take with people uh, to start to figure out, you know, why they're having the issues that they're having. Mm -hmm. And, you know, quite honestly, I mean, they all have some merit and they all are appropriate for certain situations. And I think really the, you know, one of the central issues we have is that, you know, we've become so siloed in the health field. uh, And then when you get into, you know, the sort of traditional healthcare industry, you know, we're so siloed. Uh, that, you know, we can only see the problem that we are, you know, so well trained to take care of, Mm -hmm. um, whatever that might be for a particular practitioner. Um, And, you know, it really needs this holistic approach uh, to figure out, you know, I'm sure you, you know, have a method of assessing people that kind of leads you down one path or the other with them uh, to, to figure out what that person in front of you ultimately needs. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's exactly why I wanted to have my own coaching practice, because I can take the time that I need to assess those areas. Whereas, you know, conventional medicine is just rush, 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 rush in and out, in and out. And, and that's my biggest frustration there is I love the heart connection and I love Deep, going deep into these emotional issues with mm. people, but you can't in conventional medicine. There's no time. Um, so that's why I love my coaching practice because I can do that. And even though I'm working on, you know, Zoom, I can still feel people's energy. I can feel your energy. You can feel my energy by just this conversation and looking at each other. Um, and I can not only focus on just all those pillars of lifestyle medicine, but I can work on the mindset and, um, limiting beliefs and going, uh, you know, deeper into conversations about, you know, their emotional health. Um, and then if it is somebody who I feel like really could benefit from having an energy healing session, I can offer that to them as well. So that's why I love having my own practice because I can do all the things <laughs> that I've learned over the last 32 plus years and integrate it in a way that, you know, I think that individual needs and, and customize it for that specific person. It doesn't have to fit inside one box, one model. Um, I, I love customizing it for each individual because we are all bio-individual. We have all different um, challenges, struggles, beliefs, limiting beliefs, you know, so I love customizing that for each person. What's it like to be, to have, you've got a foot in both worlds. You've got a foot in the allopathic world and you've got a foot outside it, which is also in things that even folks outside the allopathic world are going to be a little bit questioning about. Mm -hmm. I know I would have been until I started experiencing it myself. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your experience having, having a foot in both worlds and how do you manage it? Well, it's, it's been a challenge because, um, I really wanted to be in an integrative health environment. Um, how many years ago was this 25, 20 plus years ago when I first discovered it. But like I said, back then there really were none. So I had to just, I stayed in the conventional model Um, And then, like I said, I had my own energy medicine practice for two years, but then I was like, well, I don't want to stop being a PA. And I was trying to do both, but then I got pregnant and I was like, okay, no, it's all about being a mom now. So I had to let the energy medicine go and just work on in my surgical practice um, to pay the bills. Um, And I didn't want to stop being a PA. Um, 
So yeah, I've had my foot like back and forth, like for my own personal journey, I've always wanted the integrative practices. And and I find it very frustrating that our conventional medicine is so limited, uh, limiting about, you know, what we can do and, you know, all the structures that we have to follow and not allowing um, these integrative things to come in. Because I believe in working on... uh, including what works, not just, you know, I mean, evidence-based, yes, but there's a plenty, there's evidence, you know, for energy medicine, but it's not going to be brought into conventional medicine. Um, so yeah, it's been a challenge trying to do both and I've flip-flopped back and forth. Um, but that's why I, I wanted to create my own thing now. So like I said, over 30 years, I've been a PA and um, I'm tired of being in that system that doesn't allow the, any kind of flexibility. Um, and you guys already know, you've talked about, you know, the stressors and strains on the medical practitioners and um, how people are leaving in droves and <laughs> trying to find a better way, you know, just to be able to share, you know, what we know and our experience and how that we, we still want to help people, but not at our own expense. And, and that's what's happening to really great practitioners. We've got two categories of listeners for this show. We've got the traditional, um, what I would call the, the health bros, Folks who are just interested in, in getting healthy and, and staying healthy. But because of Dr. Ovedia, because of who he is and what he does in the allopathic world, we've got medical professionals who are stuck inside that model as well. So we've, we've really got two totally different audiences. And I, I, I really like what you've brought today. Um, Speak to one of those two audiences, understanding what their unique needs are. And I don't care which one. I, I love it that you're, you've got this background in allopathic medicine because God knows that we need people like you and like Phil. Those of us who, who you know, we, we're just, I'm just a guy. So. I, I, yeah, think, I mean, ultimately. Is there a question? I think I'm, you were glitching and I wasn't sure if I missed a question or not, but. Yeah, I'd, I'd like you to, to pick one of those two audiences to, to just encourage, tell them, you know, what's, how can you move forward? Did you want to jump in first, Doc? You were about to say Well, something. I was just going to say, you know, what's interesting is um, what moves one of those audiences forward really moves the other audience forward as well. And, you know, what I'm seeing more and more is, you know, as my uh, traditional allopathic colleagues uh, find a way to kind of break out of the system and start serving their patients again instead of serving the system. Um, you know, it improves their lives as practitioners and it improves their patients' lives. And so, you know, ultimately, I think the way forward is, uh, you know, the same for both of these. And uh, that's what we're trying to, you know, do every day. So you're, you were asking to compare the allopathic audience versus, um, which was the other audience? I couldn't hear that part. Well, the, the folks like me who aren't medical professionals, who are just trying to, to learn how to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So pick, I, I, I'm just asking you to speak to one of them. Mm-hmm. Tell them, you know, what's, what's, what's the one thing you would like to say to um, folks like yourself who were stuck inside the, the system? 
or folks like yourself who were patients and stuck inside the system? Yeah, so two, two things. So as far as the patients are concerned, um, it's very important to trust yourself and um, continue to search for the right practitioner. I know many patients, years and years, will stay with one practitioner who's um, not getting them results, but I don't know what it is about the obligation that they feel to stay where they are. Um, you know, it's just like anything else. It, you have to really have a good relationship with your practitioner. And if they're not able to get you the results that you need, don't be afraid to move on. Um, and if you are in a con the conventional system, which most people are going to be because we want to use our insurance whenever possible, um, but if it's not somebody that is within that model of conventional medicine, they're, if they're not getting you the results, you got to go outside the box. And it's okay to do that. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to answer questions for people too. If you want to shoot me an email, if you're going down the conventional route and you're not getting the answers, I'm happy to share any knowledge I have about pointing you in the right direction to find the right practitioner. Um, you know, I just met people in my office today who'd never heard of functional medicine, but really needed one. Um, so just keep searching. Don't give up. Um, keep the right practitioner is out there for you. Um, you just haven't found them yet. Um, and then speaking to the conventional practitioners like myself, um, you really have to think about what do you really want? Um, and this, my business coach did this with me when I first started my practice is what, uh, what does a perfect day in Rita's life look like for you? Like what waking up in the morning, how do you want to spend your day? How do you want to live your life? Um, what do you want that to look like? Um, so I would tell any other, you know, practitioner or anybody in any field of what, not, not just medicine, but how do you want to live your life? How do you want to wake up every day? What do you want that to look like? And then start working towards it. You know, for me is I, I'm a homebody. I love being at home. I love being, have, I want to have more time at home with my daughter and my family. Um, and I am also, you know, been doing this for over 30 years. So I would like to work, work a little bit less often and on my terms. I love to travel. I would love to, I created this um, practice so I can have the flexibility to live the life that I want to live, but still be able to have a profound impact on people's lives. So by having a virtual practice, I can touch more people because I can work all over the world. I'm not just limited to my town. Um, and I can work when I want, where from anywhere that I want. I can work from the Caribbean on my laptop. And, and that's, you know, what, what I want to do. Um, so find out what it is that makes you happy, what makes you tick, um, what is, you know, how, what are ways that you can get outside of your box and, um, really enjoy life? You know, some c clinicians are developing courses, um, that they can teach becoming like more speakers and, um, coaches and creating programs for people outside of conventional medicine. So there's so many ways that we can still share our knowledge. Like I said, I, I volunteer as well in my church ministry. So there's so many ways that you can feel fulfilled and share um, your experience and knowledge with people who really want it and need it. I, I want to point out to our listeners that if you are in the, the, the former group, people who are patients, that Dr. Ovedia and Rita Brewer both 
do what you are looking for. They provide the kinds of services you're looking for. OvediaHeartHealth.com. Dr. Ovedia does this kind of metabolic health consulting. RitaBrewer.com. The whole schmear functional health consulting, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to make sure I get it, get that health right. Co- so, health coaching. <clears throat> I, I, the problem, I, have a, I personally have a problem with the phrase health coaching because what comes to mind is a guy in T-shirts and his shorts with whistle around his neck. And, and, <laughs> you know, High school gym teacher. <laughs> yeah, do those push-ups. Yeah, so I'm, and I know that's part of it. Um, well, very good. Phil, um, we're at about the hour mark now, and I, I want to make sure that we're mindful of everyone's time. Um, any last questions for Rita before we wrap it up for the day and do all the, the promotions we want to do? No, that was a, a very fascinating discussion, and I'm glad we uh, kind of went down some of the paths we went with that. Uh, and thank you, Rita, for uh, coming on and for sharing you know, your experiences, your knowledge, I think it's really going to help people uh, in their journeys, uh, whether it's yeah. towards better personal health or towards how to be a better health practitioner. Rita, you said people can email you. Uh, give us that email address. We'll also post it in the show notes. Yeah, you can access it on my website, ritabrewer.com. But my email is rita at ritabrewer.com. Can subscribe to my newsletter there as well. And um, I just appreciate you guys so much for having me. And I uh, just want to uh, tell you, uh, Dr. Avadia, how much I enjoyed your book. And for your audience, if they have not read your book yet, they really need to get it. I really love it. And I've referred several of my patients to get your book as well. I love how it's, it's really simple. It's um, written for the lay person. Um, and yes. it's very concise. I, I, I could tell you're from, from New York, right? Yeah, because you're a get-to-the-point kind of guy. You know, you ask a question, he sums it up in one paragraph. And that's like, I love that. So he's very concise, but he covers a lot of material. So I just had to plug your book for you because um, if people don't have it yet, they really need to get it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. All righty. Well, for Rita Brewer and Dr. Philip Ovedia, I'm Jack Heald. You can follow Rita. You can reach Rita at ritabrewer.com. You can reach Dr. Ovedia at ovediahearthealth.com. As always, uh, I recommend if you're listening to this podcast that you take Dr. Ovedia's metabolic health quiz at ifixhearts.co. And that happens to be his Twitter handle as well, ifixhearts. Follow him there. He's a great follow. And uh, one more thing subscribe to this podcast. We are just, we've had an absolute dynamite list of guests over the last several weeks. I've looked at the guest list through September and it continues to be amazing. So, uh, thanks. This has been just delightful. I love getting to talk to people like you. Me too. We'll talk to y'all next time. Chances are, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.